0: Hello and welcome back to The First Throw. I'm your host Chris Dunius and for the keen spectators, fans and fellow participants, yes, that was Nas and White Label and the walkout song that I chose before last year's grand final and thought it would be a, a little bit fitting for me to play it um, before this Group C analysis as I'm involved in and we've got an absolutely ripping show coming up for everyone today on their Thursday evening or afternoon depending on when they're tuning in from we're sitting at about 20 degrees Celsius currently we had a bit of a cool change overnight not really classic traditional summer beer pong weather but of course we do know that The heat's going to climb tomorrow, and on Saturday, we're going to be presented with beautiful 27-degree sunny conditions, low winds, perfectly conducive to good, and brilliant, actually, beer pong performance. So, we have, in Group C, Alex being the first player drawn out of the cup, we have myself being drawn as the second player out of the cup. Then we have Mutz, Daniel Meltzer, who is the third person in the group, and Bryce, who is the fourth. Now, before we get stuck into the analysis, we are, as we have been for the last couple of episodes, going to dive straight into Liam's statistical snapshot for Group C, and then the analysis will begin straight after that. So again, we'd like to thank Liam for his incredible work in creating the statistical snapshot for Group C. Now, he's, um, he's included quite a bit of nice things about me. So I assure you this wasn't said just This wasn't commissioned by myself. Um, This is Liam's doing, so we thank him for it. And I'll read it as he has presented it. So, boy, oh boy. Without a doubt, the group of death, the one that has every participant in tournament 19, chomping at the bit, waiting to see how this will unfold. Champion, the Soviet, the shit head-to-head, and the newbie. Couple of headline notes. The group consists of three of the top five players, and the group... Boasts the most impressive average win percentage out of all groups comfortably at 61%. Now, stats for the group as a collective. Total championships are five for the group. Uh, three for myself, Alex one, and Mutz won with an asterisk. We all know why. Total wins. Myself at 53, Mutz at 38, Alex at 37, and Bryce Donuts, 0 Yet to get off the mark Total beers consumed 4.20 um, Nod to one of the participants Daniel in the group And that equates to 17.5 slabs of beer The collective win percentage Is 61% So Liam has um, Picked up a few stats Before we go into the head to head Which um, are about myself um, outlining that my win percentage is 83% in group matches um, I have a negative win loss record against only two other competitors which is uh, Liam actually and Harry Calder um, myself and Etienne have exchanged number one ranks six times between each other um, and I lead the competition having participated in only 14 to put into perspective Etienne has played in 18 tournaments and I've only failed to get out of the group stage on one occasion so I Thank Liam for those stats Um, So now let's get straight into the head-to-heads Alex versus Chris Which is game one of group C, myself Um, We've played each other a staggering eight times Um, Plenty of history here um, Including five group stages One semi-final and two finals um, And I hold the record of eight um, wins and zero losses against Alex Um, Liam outlines that there may be a lot of pressure placed on me um, To maintain the perfect record and the big question mark is: Will Alex crush his Chris Hoodoo for the head-to-head of everyone versus Bryce? There is no data backing up this one. However, will be the defining game in the group. Unfortunately for Bryce, for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> well, we'll dive in a bit into that and um, and why Bryce should look at this matchup, um, similar to how Eddie and Noah should look at their matchups. And so, why not all be doom and gloom. Um, but again, if he goes to script, then his impact on the tournament could be defining for cup difference for the competitors and who gets number one placing. So, Chris versus Mutz, Greeks versus Soviets, Batman versus Robin. <laughs> I'm not going to read the last one. Uh, both played each other four times, with Mutz only registering the one win over Chris, albeit in a semi final. That is news to me. Uh, both participants have played in one of two. Ever games resulting in a pantsing, or a stripping, or a nuding. Um, Mutz, as we all recall, was on the receiving end. Uh, Defining factor one, Mutz's attitude. Defining factor two, will Chris get up in his mental torment of Mutz. Hasn't happened previously. Alex versus Mutz, the next head-to-head. Juicy, juicy head-to-head. Both played each other a huge six times. Alex has lost four of the six. And all losses coming in the group stages, which is very interesting. Haven't played each other in over a year. The last game being at Liam's house. Uh, When the pantsing happened, matter of fact. Uh, Qualitatively, seems to be some discontent in the dressing room of other sports. They both participate and enjoy viewing. Expecting this game to pull the biggest crowd of the group games. Defining factor, whose mentality will prevail. So we thank Liam again once more for his amazing statistical snapshot. And now let's move into the Group C analysis. Wow, some absolutely fascinating storylines plot lines outcomes to come out of that um, statistical analysis that leads beautifully into our group C analysis straight off the bat there's <clears throat> theres there's a lot of interesting takes there I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take Bryce out of the equation um, initially just because he didn't have he hasn't had a huge impact on the tournament to date. And so, not on the stats um, as outlined by Liam, but I like I like the breakup between group stages and finals because I think I think so. Liam, Liam, like very accurately described certain stats that apply to the finals and apply to the group stages, but also as a collective. But I think. The mentality that comes with being uh, drawn into a group of death as liam put it is that there has to be a certain way of approaching the games that is different to that of say a softer group or one a group that contains one tough opponent one opponent that's a bit below you and a newbie for example um being drawn into a group of death you really need to tap into that knockout stage, that knockout stage um, way of playing, because you have to treat, especially the first couple of games, as if it was a knockout game. And I'll just add context context to that because obviously that might seem a bit, um, it might seem a bit obvious that well obviously. Chris, every game has to be seen as a knockout game. You have to put your best foot forward. I, th- I don't mean, I don't mean like the initial, the initial game. Obviously, you, you need to be switched on straight away. You need to be throwing at your premium. You need to be hitting your spots early, and you need to not succumb to the pressure of playing a top five ranked opponent. More so if you drop that first game or the second game in terms of Mutz, who will play Bryce first, if you drop that second game and then leading into that, that deciding third game. Because in a softer group, you can afford to to drop the game against the fancier, the more fancied opponent and still come away with a pretty good result. You're probably more than likely going to get that that two seed coming out of the groups, which, which is fine. And for a lot of people achieves the bare minimum pass mark which is to uh, get out of the groups when it comes to a group of death though you lose the first one straight away you've got another one um, in I think it's Alex's case um, being the, the first drawn player you have a, a fairly quick turnaround you play once not the next game in the third game whereas the the second and third drawn players have a, a, a two-place gap. Um, so when, when, you're, when you're constantly under, the, under pressure like that, if you drop that first game, the mentality has to be to not succumb to those feelings of, uh, ah, geez, you know, I've dropped one, I'm in the group of death, how am I going to get out of it? That's the worst possible attitude to have because then you come into that um, deciding game and the pressure's all on you, and you've just amplified that even more by putting some more pressure on yourself. Some self-pressure, which is not needed. The pressure's already there. I mean, people saying that they don't feel pressure or that they don't want pressure, that that's, it's a moot point. The pressure's always there. Even if you're playing, say, a, a Bryce or an Eddie, Um, No disrespect to those boys, but just just as um, two of the lower-ranked opponents in the group. There's still pressure there. Different forms of pressure, granted. There's still pressure there. When it's a derby match, as uh, a couple of the games in the group are, especially um, the two games involving Daniel, involving Mutz, then you, you need to be able to control that because you want to win so badly you want to win so badly for two reasons one because you know you're in a group of death and that you need to be at your premium so that's kind of already playing on your mind and then you've got um, just as an example you've got moots in a pizza shirt across the table for you from you um, doing a little bit of a jig and singing along to some music because he's gotten two cups out of two throws and then that just gets turned up to about 101 turned up by turned up I mean not uh, wanting to win um, so then you're already wanting to win. what's wearing a pizza shirt, dancing, and you're in the group of death. <clears throat> that's not healthy. It's not sustainable either, because when you really want to win, what happens? and This is not just in beer pong. It's in most most sports in general, if not uh, if not just sports in most things in general. Is logic starts to escape you at times. So instead of instead of hitting for the Instead of hitting for the touching cups, you start going for the, the corner right or the corner left because you know if I get that, then I'm going to win. So you start going for the corner left, start going for the corner right. They're not dropping. Suddenly then, you go, you start panicking because obviously you're, you're playing a top five ranked opponent. They start hitting a couple of shots potentially. What's that leave you to do? That leaves you to go back to aiming for the touching cups but suddenly your line's not there, your length's not there because you were going for corner left and right and you're back to square one, if not underneath square one. You're at, you're at square zero, if that exists, because you've taken a backward step from where you were, your line and length's gone, the other bloke's always going to be applying pressure onto you because they're not top five for no reason. And I think that's, that's the... That's the biggest thing in these groups of death in these derby matches. But more, more specifically, um, delving within Group C, we'll, we'll have a have a bit of a uh, a lean onto onto Alex, um, who's who hit uh, a very good run of form in Tournament 17, and uh, making the the semi-finals. Um, and it was an impressive semi-finals in terms of a. A victory against Etienne As well Um, And then he backed that up With a finals appearance And I don't know how many times I have to come on The podcast and talk about How momentum Through tournaments And progressive momentum Is one of the most key indicators To tournament success There will be jack-in-the-box victories, Um, that's the nature of the sport, that's the nature of sport full stop, but if you really delve in and and have just a little bit of a keen eye and a look, that the the best performed players are always those that have a little bit of form and a little bit of grounding underneath them leading into a tournament. Alex fits the bill on so many of those points, so many of those key indicators for future success. Um, I'm here picking a winner right now And People might say Oh he's in the group of death There's a high chance that He'll get eliminated from that group of death That's not the way I see it And that's not the way I've seen it I've seen it personally for myself Being joining groups of death Almost every Every bloody tournament um, But I see it as the opposite I see that You're in a group of death Which means a couple of things Number one you get out of it, you've already played some of the best players in the comp. So straight away, quarterfinals aren't going to be involving Mutz um, or myself. I'm not trying to talk about myself then, but just saying not the two of the top five um, are already out of the equation of who you can draw for the quarterfinals. Plus, if you finish first, first place of other groups already drawn out. It gives you a pretty soft quarterfinal position in theory. Secondly, gets his throw in early. Now, Alex, um, as we covered with Liam, um, has a bit of an adjustable throw when it comes to the early stages. And it's been a subtle technique shift that not many have picked up after Tournament 16, but one that he's actually employed very successfully um, in his own game. Initially, Alex had a, a bounce throw changer. Um, that he relied on predominantly, uh, sorry, pretty heavily. Um, obviously, we know Alex was uh, uh, is a famed bouncer that has transitioned into a thrower um, at certain stages, but he keeps the he keeps the two in his locker, and he, he keeps the two available to him. But he has um, really relied on recently. Um, his bounce and although you will get a lot of people saying well we've only ever had two bouncing champions and one of those was tournament one and that throwers are the way to go and you know there's, there's, there's less margin for error with the throat Alex's game is simple and th- this is not in any way um, having a go at Alex in fact the opposite his game plan is simple. He builds pressure early through the bounce and through the the cup-fall ratio, and then he pounces. The one thing that we all know with bounces is the ball-fall ratio from hitting the cup is higher with bounces. It's, it's indisputable, and it's been proven time and time again. For those unaware, the ball fall percentage is when when the ball hits a rim of the cup, the percentage it will fall into the cup is the ball fall percentage. So from a bounce, it sits significantly higher than that of a throw because it's coming down at a softer pace and because it's coming down in a more arced range of um, flight. So therefore, it hits the inside of the rim a little bit clearer, a little bit cleaner, sorry, a little bit softer, and thus it falls. So Alex's game really is built around, when the touch, when the cups are touching, especially in the six, that's when he pounces. Builds pressure early, gets the ball to fall early, and then from that, he builds, because the other person then gets put on the back foot um, they're pretty much always at a deficit. The only time where Alex can get unstuck a little bit is if the wrong cups fall early, which may be an indication of, of why he's, he's just on that, that one trophy when his game is definitely worth multiple trophies. But he's made the final many times. Made semifinals, quarterfinals, gotten out of the group consistently. And we know that that's because he's class what we also know is that maybe a little bit of a change up is needed in his game plan and by that i mean is what by that what i mean is maybe he needs to complicate it a touch more so we talk about not chopping and changing between throw and bounce throw and bounce because it it throws off both your bounce and your throw line as we talked about with liam so we're I'm, I'm, I'm pretty rock solid of that opinion And that applies to Alex as much as it does Liam When Alex chooses to float between the two But what I would like to see is Alex not leave which cup falls early to chance I think he should pick which cup he throws at initially I think he should pick the front Get the front out of the way as soon as possible That way he knows... That there's pretty much always going to be touching cups throughout the remainder of the game he gets the front out early 7 10 13 is gone it's out of the equation we know it's hard to aim for a particular cup but with the bounce aiming for the front cup you pretty much only need to get your length right because if you don't get your line right then you're going to be, your line's always going to be there or thereabouts when it comes to bounce. Um, slightly off either way, and one of the other, uh, the two and the three cup will fall, which isn't the worst um, scenario in the world because at least he still gets cups early, and then he can still focus on that front cup. But my, my suggestion, and just what I've picked up from his throw, would be to aim for that front cup early. Get the front cup to fall. If it doesn't fall, then two and three are going to fall anyway, but don't get distracted By trying to hit corner 5 and 6 Go for the front cut Until it falls Complicate your plan slightly But again with all these plans He has to stick with it Sticking with it is extremely important In Alex's regard I would think In terms of his prospects For the tournament um, I see him um, Bucking those two Losing trends I think those those records can't live forever The 8 and 0 and the 2 and and 4 I see him bucking them I see him topping that group And I see him having quite a deep run into the tournament And he is one of my three favourites for the tournament Two others are sitting in group D Which I will cover in the next episode But he is one of my three favourites My fourth favourite is another member in the group And that's Daniel Meltzer Daniel has been on a remarkable run of form through the practice, through the practice courts um, over the last couple of months since last beer pong tournament. The last beer pong tournament was incredibly disappointing for Daniel with his group stage exit, um, albeit in a, as we said for Gould, it's a very strong group. He's a better player than a group stage exit, which has happened a couple of times. Um, a couple of times too many, which belie his top five ranking. Um, And I need to see a little bit more from Daniel in these group stage games. I need to see him keep that aggression um, consistently. Because that's the only way Daniel loses is a lot of the time, he beats himself. He has an exceptional throw, great form, great consistency, but that consistency is always, always, always negatively affected by his attitude and by himself being drawn into external noises and external stimuli. Things aren't going well. The first person to see that is Daniel's opponent. It's the most obvious thing in the world. That has two effects. One, Daniel is clearly not processing. What's uh, he's not processing his poor form in the correct manner, and two, the opponent gets a little bit of a leg up because they know that they they have got him right, right where they want him, um, and it, it's a factor that really needs to be addressed by Daniel, and it's something that he that he needs to start working on, but it's not going to happen overnight not going to happen from 2018 to 19 but he can start to put make steps and put measures in place that go towards achieving that goal of being extremely level when he's participating we want aggression but we want that aggression to be tempered slightly so it can be maintained because his aggression is such that he can win a game very quickly as he did against eddie and in tournament 17 and against alex in tournament 17 but then when things start going bad, he leaves himself open to the possibility of stripping naked in front of his competitors as he's done previously. So I think the most important thing for Mutz is making sure that he sticks to his throw, which we know is good, especially the loop throw. The loop throw is good. Um, like, like some of the other competitors we've talked about and it's the all the rage um, in beer pong circles now is that 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 catch technique so you want to be in between the loop and the dart it's like like a catch weight in fighting that's where you need to be you need to be in that catch technique you need a loop when it's there to loop then when the cups aren't touching and you're finding that your range is going a bit you need to go to that catch that little that catch throw so you can have a little bit more of a dart so that he can hit the cups that he wants to hit. Because <clears throat> we've seen that, that Daniel gets cups early and then crumbles. That's happened on numerous occasions that happened last tournament to myself. And that can really be put down to that loopy throat. Really good early, when the cups are touching, it's the best thing in the world. When they start getting spread, it gets a lot harder to zero in and aim on which cups you're aiming for. When that happens, you miss, you miss, you miss... By quite a lot as well, pressure just goes out the window. You may as well have not even sunk those first two cups. They mean nothing to the opponent if they're not constantly getting battered. If they lose first two cups and then that throw starts to change slightly just so you can hit rims, they don't even need to be good rims. They can be front rims, they can be side rims, they can be just missing long. All those kind of throws build pressure. ones that don't build pressure are the ones where they bounce before the cup, where they're off the side of the table, where they're missing clearly. That needs to be addressed um, if he wants to progress further, more consistently, because he does progress quite far. But it's always the case with Daniel is when things aren't going well in a game, he finds it tough to rectify. Mentality is one issue, definitely, and he'll be the first to put his hand up for that. But secondly, is definitely the issue of the loopy throw technique, which works in certain instances and certain parts of the game, but not in all. And that really does need addressing. I'm predicting that I think Alex, Mutz and myself all have a, a great chance of going through and, and taking myself out of the equation. Um, Mutz definitely, definitely would be progressing. Um, it'll be a battle between him and alex for that that top spot so we we covered that that i i back alex to buck the records both of them potentially one of them i think very likely to happen but records aren't there for no reason um records don't just happen by luck especially pretty lopsided records so they are there for a reason the onus isn't on the record holder to keep that record up. The onus is on the person on the flip side. Mutz, to myself, Alex, to Mutz, is to change the fortunes, to change the trend. Only they can do it. And all, it all comes back to those slight changes in game plan and throwing technique and the subtle shift in mentality that I think will go a long way to ensuring these guys get out of the group and progress pretty far in the tournament. Because, again, coming out of a group of death is one of the best things for your tournament because it sets you up. You've already been given high-class opposition. You're used to the pressure that they're putting under you. So in the quarterfinal, you're going to get someone equally as good, but like we said, you'll probably get a little bit softer draw in the quarterfinal. But from from that, we know that um, you're going to be used to whatever pressure gets put in front of you. So you, you're already in that quarterfinal, semifinal, final mindset. So then you just need to beat who's in front of you. There's no extra added fear in that regard. So so both those boys should be relishing being in that group of death because wins aren't handed to them either, even if they're in like a group B or a group D. Um, wins aren't handed out in those groups. They've got to be earned as well. So definitely should be should be very excited being joined in that group bryce um we'll finish off with we we love bryce's ranking at uh 35th um we love it mostly because we've got 37 uh participants on the ranking which is which adds a bit of credence to the tournament it's it's pretty interesting to know that we've got 37 competitors which is actually exciting that the the tournament has grown so much and it's it's a it's an absolute credit to the organizers of the tournament the the guys that show up every week sorry every uh every tournament and to the extended group of competitors that have put their names forward and wanting to join the competition like bryce himself which is Absolutely brilliant, and we welcome everyone with open arms uh, here at the Beer Pong Championship family. So Bryce is number 35 on the rankings. He's actually equal 35th with uh, one of his mates, Jake, um, another competitor. They have the exact same Cups 4, Against, Difference, and Win Percentage. For whoever hasn't caught on yet, that win percentage is 0 they share that with only two other competitors, Charles and Fidel, who also have a 0% win percentage. What I don't, if I was Bryce, what I wouldn't care about is the, is because of the cups against that. There's 18. That's three games. He's played three games in the tournament. If you play three games in the tournament and you have a negative win percentage, that's not nearly as bad as playing 6 or 9 obviously but it just means that he's new to the tournament we don't really know what to expect from Bryce so in his in his tournament uh last time round in tournament 18 he was in sorry tournament 17 he was in a fairly tough group and didn't manage to get out of it He's in a fairly tough group again in Tournament 19. But it's not a sure thing that he's going to get flogged. He's got a cup difference of minus 5, which isn't terrible. It's about losing by two cups on two games and coming close on one game. Again, that, that's, that's not a, a terrible cup difference. Unlike a Fidel, which is a minus 8, which means you've pretty well been flogged in every single uh, one of those games. So he's got a bit there and he's he, he stuck close enough. He's He was within touching distance of, of one game and he was fairly close in a couple of others. That's definitely something for, for him to hang his hat on. And as we talked about with a couple of the other newbies and uh, uh, historically weaker opponents, he's got no expectations placed upon himself. I mean, the only expectations he has w- would be internal. Um, there's a bit, bit of rumblings that he really wants to beat one of the participants in the group and he'd be satisfied if it was just that. And I say I say, go for it. I say that's a great goal to have is to focus in all your energy on one of those participants. And if you get a result in the, in this group, which is a very tough group to be drawn in, then I'd say that's a really, really, really good tournament. We don't want to be talking him down too much because, I mean, he'll have aspirations to, to win the cup just like anyone, and far be it from me to say that he can't. Um, in fact, we've been told that um in his uh, European adventures, he was quite the star on the on, on the beer pong uh court in many a hostel. But, you know, at that stage he had he had many he had many lovely ladies that were that were watching him. So we don't know if the bravado factor took over there for our man Bryce and maybe gave him a bit of a, a leg up um, in his ability, if you know what I mean. And unfortunately, the only spectators we had uh, last tournament were were Nick and uh, Tommy Andrews. So not going to have that that same kind of feminine influence on his game this time. But, you know, with the trophy comes certain uh, certain gravatar around certain sexes. Um, not just female, but also male. So maybe that's an aspiration Bryce can kind of strive for, is is maybe getting there through tapping into that form that he showed in the European circuits. No expectations mean that he should just do what we we're saying for Noah and for Eddie is find what works with him initially, find what works with him for him straight away and stick to it. If you've got a couple in looping, loop. I don't care about the catch throw. When your ability is not quite as honed as some of the top five participants, it's not that much of an issue. Focus on what's good for you, What's what's falling. If the ball's falling through a dart, just dart, but stick to it. And don't give up on matches. This was critical for Noah and will definitely be critical for Bryce. He's coming up against an Alex, a number four in the competition and he finds himself down 3-0. Do not give up. That's what the top ranked opponents want. That's what we want. We want to feel a bit of uh, security, now throw, mindset, all of that. Don't. Don't give them an inch. That's what I would be saying to Bryce. And in terms of group C, um, obviously taking myself out of the equation. Um, I'll, if that was the case, I'd predict Alex and Mutz to go through. Um, but we would have to wait and see what happens, um, during the actual tournament. But definitely an exciting group. Definitely some derby matches there, some grudge matches. Alex is going to be very keen to rebuke the trend of the, of the 8-0 record, 0-8 record and the 2-4 record against myself and Mutz, respectively. We have the grand final rematch um, between myself and Alex, which is the first game of Group C, which I'm sure will be a crowd-drawing occasion. We have the Alex and Mutz match-up, which will be a heated, classic beer pong derby. While we were talking about um, in the episode previously that Group B was lacking, Group C does definitely not lack that Neither does Group D, which is what we're going to be talking about tomorrow. I can't wait for it. I hope you can't either. I hope you enjoyed the Group C analysis. I hope you tune in and enjoy the Group D analysis tomorrow. And after that, I will see you on the courts. Thank you. Have a great morning, evening, afternoon, or night, depending on when and where you're listening from. Thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure.